grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. beginning at the 26th verse. The Apostle Paul is preaching in the synagogue in Antioch, and he says, Gentlemen, brothers, sons of Abraham's family, and those among you who fear God, this message of salvation has been sent to you. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize him, and by condemning him, they fulfilled the statements of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no grounds for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they carried out everything that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. These same individuals are now his witnesses to the people. We are preaching to you the good news about the promise that was made to our fathers. God has fulfilled this promise for us, their children by raising up Jesus. As it is also written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you that God would raise him from the dead, never again to be subject to decay, God said in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. Therefore, he also says in another place, you will not let your holy one see decay. For David, after he had served God's purpose in his own generation fell asleep, was laid to rest with his fathers, and saw decay. But the Holy One, God raised, did not see decay. So gentlemen, brothers, let it be known to you that through this Jesus, forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. Also forgiveness from everything from which you could not be justified through the law of Moses. In this Jesus, everyone who believes is justified. The word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from Galatians chapter 6, beginning of verse 7. This portion of God's word will serve as the sermon text for today. The Apostle Paul writes by inspiration of the Lord, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. To be sure, whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Indeed, the one who sows for his own sinful flesh will reap destruction from the sinful flesh. But the one who sows for the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not become weary of doing good, because at the appointed time we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the household of faith. The word of the Lord. 
The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 8th chapter, beginning at the 31st verse. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the experts in the law, be killed, and after three days rise again. He was speaking plainly to them. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But after turning around and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have your mind set on the things of God, but the things of men. He called the crowd and his disciples together and said to them, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. After all, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? In fact, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The portion of God's Word for our consideration this morning is the second reading that was heard from the lectern earlier. I read again the opening verses from the Apostle Paul. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. To be sure, whatever a man sows, he will also reap. This is the word of our God. Dear fellow redeemed sons and daughters of God Most High, brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, fellow recipients of the Holy Spirit through word and sacrament, who has called us to be heirs of life eternal. If I were to go down to the greenhouse and get seeds, intent on planting them in my balcony garden to grow green beans, and I were to ask for wildflower seeds and bring them back to my apartment and plant them, expecting to have a crop of green beans, well, you would think, no, I think Chris has got something wrong upstairs. My wife, my wife might think that I've been sampling some of the pills in the pharmacy I work at. A man reaps what he sows. If I plant wildflower seeds in my garden, I'm not going to get green beans. You understand that, right? Even though we don't live, for the most of us, in an agrarian society, that's a well-known saying, a man reaps what he sows. And even more so in Paul's time, where for the most part they lived in an agrarian society. Even those who lived in a city understood what happened out in the country. The farmer plants wheat seeds, he's going to expect wheat to come up in his field. 
And that's why Paul uses this well-known saying, the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write these words to the Galatians. And as we consider these words, let's remember the people to whom Paul is writing. He's not writing to everyone on earth, believers and unbelievers alike. He's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to the believers in Galatia. He's writing to people who know Jesus Christ as Savior. He's writing to people who are members of the church there in Galatia, to people to whom the Holy Spirit has come through word and sacrament, in whose hearts the Holy Spirit has worked faith. And keep that in mind, <coughs> excuse me, as we consider the words, Paul speaks to them. Because if we take this out of context, it sure sounds like a person could earn their salvation by what they do. But that's not what Paul is talking about. He's talking to people who already have salvation. He's talking to believers about their life as believers. Believers who already have the sure and certain hope of life eternal in heaven. And he begins with a warning. A very to the point warning. He says, do not be deceived. <coughs> and actually in Greek, that verb can be taken in two different ways. It has two different flavors to it. It's either, do not be deceived by other people. Do not be led astray. Do not be caused to wander from the truth. Remember what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the one who leads you to the Father, the only way to heaven. Do not let anyone cause you to wander off that path. That's what Paul is talking to, talking about in these three words, or in these four words. Do not be deceived. But it also can be understood in a second flavor of that verb, do not Deceive yourself. Do not cause yourself to wander. Each of those is equally valid from the Greek. And isn't that sometimes the case with us too? That we can easily convince ourselves of something that may sound spiritual, something that may sound religious, something that may sound like it came from God, but that when we check it against the Holy Word of God, it truly isn't. And that's the key, isn't it? Not only if it comes from others, they may try to deceive us or cause us to wander from the truth of God's Word, from the way of salvation, from the way of Jesus Christ, but sometimes we may be tempted to cause ourselves to wander. And why does Paul speak so plainly? Is it just because he's mean? Is it just because he's a grumpy old man talking to these maybe younger believers in Galatia? No. It's because of love. 
It's because of, as a pastor speaking to his flock there in Galatia, he truly loves the people he's writing to, just as he loves the people that would eventually read this letter, including you and I, almost 2,000 years later. Because through the Holy Spirit, Paul was inspired to write these words to you and to I, because God loves us. He doesn't write these words lightly. God does not speak to us lightly through these opening verses of this text because he is angry, because he likes to yell at us. He's not doing it because of that. It's because he loves us. He wants us to keep on the straight and narrow. He wants us to stay in Christ. Do not wander from the truth of his word. Do not wander from the way of salvation. Whether somebody else is trying to deceive you or you're tempted to deceive yourself or cause yourself to wander. Then Paul says, God is not mocked. God will not be sneered at. God will not have you literally turn up your nose at him as if you may think better. And this name God takes us all the way back to Genesis 1, 1, doesn't it? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. After service this morning, go out and look. Look to the west. Look at the beautiful mountains that we have to enjoy here in Colorado Springs. Look at the beautiful creation that God has given us day after day, causing the sun to rise. The beautiful creation, the beautiful, wonderful life that God has given us that he called into being in six 24-hour days by his almighty word. That powerful God, he will not be sneered at. He will not just sit by and take it lightly. Paul warns us, God warns us, rightfully so, but lovingly so. As his dear children, God all wants us to be saved. He wants us to stay on that narrow path of his truth. Knowing Christ is our Savior who has won for us salvation by, the, by his death on the cross, by his resurrection on Easter Sunday, by washing us clean of our sins, and making us heirs of life eternal in heaven. The same for the Galatians, the same for us today. He does not want us to wander away. He does not want us to think that, well, you know, he's far off in heaven. So we can do what we want and we can stare at him at every turn. And then the rest of this, Paul makes a very excellent, God makes an excellent example from everyday life. To be sure, whatever a man sows, he will also reap. And this goes for using God's wonderful gift of time. the same 24 hours in each day. We all have the seven, same seven days in a week. The same 365 or 366 days in a year, depending on if it's a leap year. How will we use that time? When Jesus, in our gospel reading, said to his disciples how he was going to use his time coming up, that he was going to suffer at the hands of the elders of Israel, how he was going to suffer and die on the cross 
Peter said, that's a bad use of your time, Lord. Peter rebuked him. Peter said, I've got better plans. And that's not it. But what did Jesus say? Jesus rebuked him and said, you do not have in mind the things of God. God desires that we use his gift of time for his purposes. Because a man reaps what he sows. And Paul is not just talking here to the men of the congregation because the word man here is generic. It's not man versus woman. It's, it's man as far as all humankind. The, the word in Greek is very, very clear on that. It's the same word that we have here that begins our word anthropology, the study of people, the study of humankind. The one who sows for his own sinful flesh will reap destruction from the sinful flesh. Destruction, the Greek word here for decay, death. It's very clear. And Paul makes it very clear. Again, remember, he's talking to believers. What do we do with our time? What do we do? Not just on Sunday morning, but the rest of Sunday, Monday, Wednesdays, Thursday afternoon, Saturday evening? And how do we set aside time? And what do we make as a priority in our life? Because Paul goes on. But the one who sows for the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Does that mean that if we're good users of our time, that if we set aside time for the Lord, that if we do what is right, we will earn God's favor and we will earn the right to say to God, now I deserve eternal life in heaven? No. We know from Scripture that that goes contrary to the rest of Scripture, right? Because we hear in Isaiah, all of our righteous acts are as filthy rags. We dare never go before the Lord and say, See, Lord, I have set aside my calendar, and I have, a, I have set you first in my calendar, and I have, I have prioritized my life throughout the week and throughout the year and throughout the day to, to put you first everywhere. So you have to let me into your heaven. Because after all, Paul says here in Galatians chapter 6, The one who sows for the Spirit will reap eternal life for, from, for the, from the Spirit. So therefore, you know, you have to let me in. I don't have to de depend on Jesus. I, I'm doing this all on my own. Oh, of course not. But remember, Paul is writing to believers, to believers in Christ, who cling to the cross of Christ, who cling to the fact that they have been washed clean in the blood of Christ, just as we do. Looking to the cross of Christ and seeing there our Savior, especially during this season of Lent, we travel forward as we get closer and closer to Good Friday, closer and closer to the day of our Savior's death, closer and closer to remembering what our Savior has done for us there and how his blood has washed us clean. How he suffered for our iniquity and how his forgiveness is ours. And we see on Easter Sunday, his resurrection is ours. 
and we look forward to the glorious resurrection on the last day when we'll be given the glories of heaven. And that promise is ours now. Eternal life is ours now. Not by what we do, but what Christ has done for us. When he said it is finished, it's done, all of it. But as forgiven children of God, as the Galatians were, so are we. As forgiven children of God, we say to the Lord, now, moved by the gospel, moved out of thankful love, as a result of what Christ has done for me, out of love for what Christ has done for you, how do we desire to go forward? And the Apostle Paul answers that question. Let us not become weary of doing good, because at the appointed time we will reap if we do not give up. Is it difficult? Paul would say yes. Jesus himself says yes. In this life you will face many troubles. If the world hated me, Jesus says, they will certainly hate you. Do we face troubles and difficulties and temptations in this life? Yes, we do. If we didn't, it would be unnecessary for Paul to say, if we do not give up. If it was easy straight, we wouldn't have to worry about giving up. But there are trials and temptations. Maybe there is sickness and hardship in our life, whether in our own bodies or those of a loved one. Maybe there are financial troubles. Maybe there are temptations that keep coming back and back and back because Satan knows exactly what are our weak spots. And he keeps pushing those buttons. And the struggle is harder and harder and harder. And sometimes we do fall into that. Yet whose grace is greater than our sin? And if Satan tempts us to go because he might whisper in our ear, well, that sin is just too great for God to forgive. You've, you've committed that too many times. No. God's grace is greater than any sin. Regardless of how many times it's been committed, regardless of how many times you've fallen into the trap of temptation, Christ said, it is finished. Bottom line, all paid for of all time for all people. That's not a license to sin. That's not to say, well, since Christ has forgiven it, it doesn't matter if I sin anyway. No, we don't use it as a get-out-of-jail-free card. But we do see in that the comfort that God says to us, repentant sinners, knowing our sin, yet trusting in our Savior, knowing the forgiveness of sins, that we are forgiven, every last one of us, for every sin of all time. And knowing that, with that joy, we can go forward. And we can go forward, strengthened through the Lord, strengthened through the Holy Spirit in word and sacrament, strengthened to not give up and continue doing good. Let us not become weary of doing good. And that includes using God's gift of time, 
using it in whatever way that might be? What are the various talents that God has given you? I don't know them all. I might not even know all the talents God has even given me. But yet as we have opportunity, may God strengthen us and encourage us to use them to his glory. As we see those opportunities arise in our lives, we don't know what tomorrow may bring. A new opportunity may arise, and God gives us the strength and the abilities in our own way to use those, time, those times and those opportunities and those talents to use them to his glory. Paul goes on to say, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the household of faith. But notice before he says that last part, he says, to all people. Yeah, but, but they're not part of my church, so I don't have to help that person. Paul didn't say that, did he? The Lord didn't inspire Paul to say that, did he? He says, let us do good to all people. And the Greek word there, there's no two ways to take that one. We, we can't wiggle out of that. All people. The, the word has no other meaning. All. We may be tempted. They don't look like us. They don't dress like us. They don't talk like us. They don't act like us. They're mean to us. They didn't treat us right. And each one of those comes with the temptations that the devil loves to use, right? It's very real. But what does God say? As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. And he also says, especially to those who belong to the household of faith. So we have opportunity in our lives. We have those 24 hours in each day. We have those seven days in each week. We have those many days in each year. And when we don't take those opportunities, we have a Lord who forgives and who encourages us for the next time. Not to use that as an excuse, as a fallback, to say, well, I don't have to because the Lord will forgive me. But as a reminder that the Lord in his grace does give us strength for the next time when those opportunities come up. At creation, God created time. It's a gift that he gives us as, as his creation. God exists outside of time, but he gave it to us, and we exist within it. And now is the opportunity to use those gifts. Remember, a man does, a person does, reap what they sow. A very stern warning Paul gives us in the beginning, uh, one who sows for his own sinful flesh will reap destruction or decay from that sinful flesh. It's something we do want to keep in mind because this is serious. 
me the motivation that you only do it because I better do it or God will get me. That's not the motivation. That's, that's using the law as a club. Rather, look to God's gospel as the motivation. Look to God's love as the motivation for what we do in our lives. Look to Christ and his resurrection as the motivation. Look for salvation as the motivation. Christ loves you. One for you, life eternal. We look to Christ and his love for us. We love because he first loved us. And say, Lord, how can I serve you in response? And his response, let us not become weary of doing good. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the household of faith. Yeah, the struggle is real. We'll face roadblocks along the way. Satan loves to put those in our way. But the Lord is stronger than Satan. The Lord has beat Satan. The Lord is on our side. And he encourages us always through word and sacrament. Continue to avail yourself of those. Continue to use the time the Lord has given you to do his work among all people. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.